welcome to my podcast. I'm Dr. John Cook. I'm so glad you joined us today as we continue our series on Systematic Theology 2. Today we are going to look at part two of lesson 30 on the doctrine of eschatology or the doctrine of last things. In part two of our study, we will look at three doctrinal positions of the rapture. We're going to see how what each of these positions believe and teach and how they agree or disagree when we compare scripture with scripture. And then we are going to see the position that agrees with the Bible. We'll get into our study right after this. three views then as to when the rapture will take place. The first is called the post-tribulation rapture. Now, those who believe in the post-tribulation rapture and teach it, believe that Christians are going to go through the tribulation period. Their belief denies dispensationalism. It also denies any distinction between the rapture and the second coming of Christ, making them one and the same. Their belief also denies any future fulfillment of the prophecy of Daniel, which we read about in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Let's listen to what the angel of the Lord says to Daniel in that scripture. He says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people. Remember, he's talking to Daniel. Daniel's a Jew. His people would be Israel and upon thy holy city, that's Jerusalem, to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall, even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of of the war, desolations are determined. Now the angel goes on to say to Daniel in verse 27, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now, this prophecy spoken to Daniel by the angel of the Lord speaks of 70 weeks that are determined upon Israel, that is Daniel's people, and upon Jerusalem, Daniel's holy city. 69 of those weeks have been fulfilled in time already. But there still remains Daniel's 70th week unless you hold the position of the post-tribulation rapture. 
Now, if you hold this position, the post-tribulation rapture, then you must deny that this week shall ever be fulfilled. But we know that God says what he means and means what he says. God always keeps his word. Numbers 23, verse 19 tells us, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? God says, there are 70 weeks determined on Daniel's people. Therefore, we have to conclude most assuredly that since the 70th week has not been fulfilled, not been accomplished. It is prophecy that is yet to come. So, what do we have to conclude then? We must conclude that, that those who hold the post-tribulation position have disqualified themselves from being Bible believers. Why? Because they do not believe God's word will be fulfilled to the very letter. Those who hold the post-tribulation rapture, teaching or doctrine, take scripture that deals with Israel and applies it to the church to support their false position. For example, they make Matthew chapters 13 and 24 through 29 together with Revelation chapters 4 through 19 apply to the church which these chapters do not apply to the church. Therefore, we have to reject this doctrine as being false in that it makes the word of God of none effect and misinterprets scripture. This is not the act of a Bible believer, but the act of those that Jesus spoke to and of in Mark chapter 7 and verse 13. He said, making the word of God of none effect through their tradition and many such like things. So again, we repeat, we must reject the post-tribulation rapture position. There is also a mid-tribulation rapture teaching or position. And in this teaching, it's said that the church will be in the tribulation for the first three and a half years of Daniel's 70th week. Now, if that's true, this would mean that the church will endure the events of the first half of the tribulation. Now, in order to justify their position, they teach that the first half of the tribulation is not a manifestation of God's divine wrath. They face some of the same problems that the post-tribulation position run into. Because they, again, must deny or at the very least weaken the dispensational interpretation of Scripture. Because according to them, there is no strict division between Israel and the church. They have to largely depend on spiritualizing the Scriptures concerning the tribulation and the rapture. They are also faced with denial of the imminent return of our Lord. We're commanded in Scripture to live day by day, expecting our Lord's return at any moment. However, those who hold the position of mid-tribulation rapture make such living no longer a possibility. The Apostle Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13 that we are to gird up the loins of our mind, be sober, and hope 
to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We're commanded to gird up the loins of our mind. Now, that's a picture of us tying up those things that interfere with our walk for the Savior in our lives. So we are to live clean, holy lives for the Savior, knowing that he is coming at any moment, expecting that he is coming at any moment. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 13, Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Then again, he says to his disciples in Mark chapter 13 and verse 37, What I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. Watch is what Jesus commands us to do. We are watching for our Lord's coming at any moment. But if you hold the position of the mid-tribulation rapture, there's no particular reason for us to watch. In fact, we read in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, the Apostle Paul says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Now get it, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. There is no denying that this shows the imminent return of Jesus as being the motivation for us to live godly lives to the glory of the Savior. We live expecting our Lord's return at any moment. And that certainly serves to clean us up in our living. But again, if you hold the position of the mid-tribulation rapture, then you do not and cannot believe in the imminent return of Christ. And thus you deny his word, just as the post-tribulation rapture teachers do as well. It's not good company to be keeping. Still another problem that the post-tribulation and mid-tribulation doctrines face is the denial that the church was a mystery, a mystery that was hidden until it was revealed in the New Testament, beginning with our Lord Jesus Christ. Both mid- and post-tribulation teachers must claim that God is carrying on his work with Israel and the church at the same time, that there's no separation between them. So they both have to deny the word of God and the promises that are yet to be fulfilled to Israel. As we've seen already, the mid-tribulation teacher claims that the tribulation period is only three and one-half years. While Daniel tells us that it is seven years divided into two three-and-a-half-year periods of time. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 27 says, And he, he being the Antichrist, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he, the Antichrist, shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So again, we must and do reject both the post-tribulation and mid-tribulation doctrines. 
because they do not agree with scripture. You know, when I was younger, I heard an evangelist and he used to say, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Then he would say, God said it, and that settles it, whether I believe it or not. To that, we as Bible believers should say amen. So this brings us to the third position, which is the pre-tribulation rapture teaching or doctrine. Pre-tribulation rapture doctrine holds that the rapture will take place before the tribulation. And it relies upon a literal method of interpretation of the scripture. The pre-tribulation rapture doctrine agrees with the promises that God makes to the believers. For example, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 9 through 10, and listen to what it says. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. This scripture states plainly for us that we are waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who delivered us from the wrath to come. This is an accomplished fact. That is that we have been delivered for he has delivered us. That's in the past tense. The wrath to come is future tense. And this we see in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 16, where it says, And said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. Titus chapter 2 and verse 13 tells us that we are looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I've often said that we are not looking for a blasted hope, but we are looking for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, our God and our Savior. Daniel's 70th week is called judgment, indignation, punishment, the hour of trial, the hour of trouble, destruction, darkness. In short, far from this being a blessed hope, it is seen to be a terrible time and a terrifying time. Only in the pre-tribulation doctrine do we see the church as a mystery, a mystery that is revealed to the apostle Paul. This is a mystery that we read of in Colossians chapter 1, verses 25 through 27. Turn there, let's look at it. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily, 
So God gave to Paul a particular message, the gospel of the grace of God. And in that message, he revealed the mystery of the church for this age, the time in which we now live, that is. Paul speaks of this dispensation again, which has been granted to him and revealed to him in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. So let's open the Bible and let's listen to what the scripture says. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. We see that Paul plainly states that the church was a mystery that was made known to him, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. The church was and is something new, something unexpected, something unknown. Clarence Larkin pictures the church age as a valley between two mountains. Israel was looking for the coming kingdom of Christ, the son of David. So on one mountain, we see Israel looking across to the other and seeing the kingdom. In between was the valley representing the church age. Thus, it was unseen by Israel. This was a mystery age when the Lord would set up what he calls in Matthew 16, 18, my church. So in this part of our study, part two, we have seen the three doctrinal teachings concerning the rapture, the post-tribulation rapture, the mid-tribulation rapture, and the pre-tribulation rapture. Well, after looking at the scriptures, we find that only the pre-tribulation rapture agrees with all the scripture. The pre-tribulation rapture is the blessed hope of all born-again believers for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ to take us home to be with him forever. And that's the position we hold is the pre-tribulation rapture. God bless you till the next lesson. This is John Cook again. I want to thank you for joining us in this video and don't miss the next video in our continuing study on Systematic Theology 2. Hey, by the way, while you're here, why don't you click on that subscribe button and give us a thumbs up. You'll be notified immediately when the next one comes out. Appreciate it and God bless.